ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so we had begun last time this chapter bab man jahada shay'an min al-asma'i wa-sifat the chapter regarding the one who rejects something from the names and attributes of Allah. We described in brief the tawheed regarding the names and attributes of Allah and some of the principles regarding the names and attributes of Allah. The last session. And we explained that it is not permissible to reject the names and attributes of Allah. The first statement that he makes in this chapter, وَقَوْلُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَهُمْ يَكْفُرُونَ بِالرَّحْمَانِ That they deny Ar-Rahman. Who is they? The Mushrikeen. The Mushrikeen, they deny this name of Allah, Ar-Rahman. It is mentioned that the kuffar of Quraysh, they were listening to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he mentioned Ar-Rahman. Sababu nuzul al-ayah huwa anna kuffar Quraysh lamma sami'u Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yadhkuru Ar-Rahman qalu wama Ar-Rahman wama Ar-Rahman they said, who is Ar-Rahman? La na'rifu Ar-Rahman, illa Rahmanu al-Yamama. They said, we don't know who is Ar-Rahman. When they heard the Prophet ﷺ say, Ar-Rahman, mentioning Ar-Rahman, they said, who is Ar-Rahman? We don't know any Ar-Rahman. The only Rahman we know is the Rahman of al-Yamama. Who is Rahman of al-Yamama? يعنون مسيلمة الكذاب They mean by that مسيلمة الكذاب الذي ادعى النبوة He claimed for himself that he was a prophet مسيلمة الكذاب So they said we do not know الرحمن And similarly وذلك عندما صالح النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم المشركين في الحديبية وأراد أن يكتب السلح ونادى علي بن أبي طالب ليكتب السلح فقال له اكتب بسم الله بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قالوا لا نعرف الرحمن إلا رحمن اليمامة ولكن اكتب بسمك اللهم فأنزل الله تعالى وهم يكفرون بالرحمن So when the treaty of Hudaybiyah was being made and the Prophet ﷺ called over Ali ibn Abi Talib to make that or to write it. And so he said to him, write, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So when they heard that, they said, we don't know ar-Rahman. The only Rahman we know is the Rahman of al-Yamamah. They mean by that, Musaylama al-Kathab. So the ayah was revealed... 
وهم يكفرون بالرحمن وكذلك لما كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في مكة وكان يصلي ويدعو في سجوده يا الله يا رحمن فقال المشركون لما سمعوه انظروا إلى هذا يزعم أنه يعبد ربا واحدا وهو يدعو ربين الله ورحمن قال الله تعالى قل ادعوا الله أو ادعوا الرحمن أيما تدعوا فله الأسماء الحسنى Another narration mentions that when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was praying and when he was in his prostration he was calling upon Allah Oh Allah, Oh Rahman He was calling upon Allah with both of those names Oh Allah, Oh Ar-Rahman So when the mushrikeen overheard that they said look he claims that there is only one Lord to be worshipped but he himself is calling upon two He's calling upon Allah and he's calling upon Rahman. So then the ayah was revealed. Call upon Allah or call upon Rahman. Whoever you call upon, whichever name you call upon, فَلَهُ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى Then Allah has the most beautiful and perfect of names. Meaning all of these are the names of Allah. Whether you call upon Allah as Allah or you call upon Allah Ar-Rahman, you are calling upon Allah. They are all names of Allah. بَيَّنَا سُبْحَانَهُ أَنَّ أَسْمَاءَهُ كَثِيرَةٌ وَتَعَدُّدُ الْأَسْمَاءِ لَا يَدُلُّ عَلَى تَعَدُّدِ الْمُسَمَّى So Allah clarified that He has many names. And having multiple names does not indicate that there are multiple entities. Doesn't mean there are multiple entities. Allah is one, but His names are many. Wallahu jalla wa ala lahu asma'un kathira. So Allah has many names. Qala Allah ta'ala, walillahi al-asma'ul husna, fadu'uhu biha. Wadharu al-lazina yulhiduna fi asma'ih, sayujazawna ma kanu ya'amalun. That indeed Allah has the most beautiful and perfect of names. So call upon him with them. فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا In another ayah, اللَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُ لَهُ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى That Allah, it is He, there is no deity worthy of worship except He. He has the most perfect and beautiful of names. So this all indicates what we were speaking about last time. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has many names and they are not restricted to 99 names only. And we spoke about the hadith, إِنَّ لِلَّهِ تِسْعَةً وَتِسْعِينَ إِسْمَا مَنْ أَحْصَاهَ دَخَلَ الْجَنَّةِ But indeed Allah has 99 names, whoever enumerates them enters paradise. Uh, and in the hadith, وَفِي دُعَاءِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ حَدِيثِ ابْنِ مَسْعُودِ أسألك بكل اسم هو لك سميت به نفسك أو أنزلته في كتابك أو علمته أحدا من خلقك فدل على أن أسماء الله كثيرة لا يعلمها إلا الله. So in this dua, the Prophet ﷺ says, I call upon you with all of the names that you named yourself with, or you revealed in your book, or you taught one from amongst your creation. So this all indicates that the names of Allah are many. وفي النعم. So then, 
when Allah says, call upon Allah through His names, then you call upon Allah with the relevant name for the dua that you are making. فَكُلُّ اسْمٍ يُدْعَى بِهِ وَيُطْلَبُ مِنْهُ تَعَالَى مَا يَتَضَمَّنُهُ ذَلِكَ الْإِسْمِ مِنَ الرَّحْمَةِ وَالْمَغْفِرَةِ وَالتَّوْبَةِ وَغَيْرِهَا Every name of Allah has a meaning within it. So you call upon Allah with the relevant and appropriate meaning to your dua. فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا يَعْنِي تَوَسَّلُوا إِلَيْهِ بِهَا فِي دُعَائِكُمْ كَأَنْ يَقُولْ يَا رَحْمَانْ اِرْحَمْنِي يَا غَفُورْ اِغْفِرْ لِي يَا تَوَّاب تُبْ عَلَيَّ يَا رَازِقْ اِرْزُقْنِي So you call upon Allah with the relevant name to make that dua which is appropriate to it. So you say, O Rahman, have mercy upon me. Ghafoor, call upon Allah with the name of Ghafoor, have forgiveness upon me. Tawwab, repent for me, I mean, uh, meaning, leave the sin from me, pardon the sin from me, give me repentance. And Razak, uh, sustenance and provision, provide the provisions for me and the sustenance for me. So the relevant name of Allah that indicates the point of your dua, then call upon Allah with that relevant name to your dua. وَالْإِيمَانُ بِأَسْمَاءِ اللَّهِ وَصِفَاتِهِ هُوَ مَذْهَبُ أَهْلِ سُنَّةِ وَالْجَمَاعَةِ مِنَ الصَّحَابَةِ وَالتَّابِعِينَ And the iman in the names and attributes of Allah, it is the methodology of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah from the companions and the tabi'een and all of those who came after them upon their way. فَأَهْلُ سُنَّةِ وَالْجَمَاعَةِ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِأَسْمَاءِ اللَّهِ وَصِفَاتِهِ الَّتِي سَمَّ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى بِهَا نَفْسَهِ أَوْ سَمَّاهُ بِهَا رَسُولُهُ مِنْ غَيْرِ تَحْرِيفِ وَلَا تَعْطِيلِ وَمِنْ غَيْرِ تَكْيِيفِ وَلَا تَمْثِيلِ So Ahlul Sunnah, we believe in the names of Allah and in His attributes which Allah named Himself with or His Messenger named Him with without any tahrif, the distortion or alteration, without any ta'atil, the rejection, without any takif, the description, and without any tamthil, the resemblance. So we do not fall into those affairs, those four prohibitions when it comes to the names and attributes of Allah. As for the groups of deviation, then as we mentioned, the various groups, they either rejected the names of Allah or they affirmed them so much, the mushabbiha, to the extent that they began to resemble Allah to creation. Then there is a hadith, وَفِي صَحِيحِ الْبُخَارِ قَالَ عَلِي حَدِّثُ النَّاسَ بِمَا يَعْرِفُونَ أَتُرِيدُونَ أَنْ يُكَذَّبَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولَهِ Speak to the people with that which they comprehend. Do you wish for Allah and His Messenger to be belied? What do they say there? Mm. So address the people with that which their minds can comprehend, with that which people can understand, can grasp. Do you wish that Allah and His Messenger are belied? What does this mean? This hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, Ali ibn Abi Talib, he was addressing the scholars. 
Ali ibn Abi Talib radiyallahu anhu was addressing the people of knowledge, saying to them, حَدِّثُ النَّاسَ بِمَا يَعْرِفُونَ Speak to the people at a level they understand. Speak to the people with that which they can comprehend. أَيْ تَكَلَّمُوا عِنْدَهُمْ بِمَا يَعْرِفُونَ أَيْ بِمَا لَا تَسْتَنْكِرُهُ عُقُولُهُمْ Speak to the people at a level they understand and comprehend, meaning, do not mention things to them that their minds cannot accept and understand and comprehend, so they reject it. There may be aspects of the religion that are maybe too difficult for some people to grasp. So, be careful in how and what you present to the people, lest you present something to them and they cannot comprehend it, so they end up rejecting it. Even though it is the truth what you are saying. So be careful of how to address the people and with what, and at what level. بَلْ حَدِّثُوهُمْ بِمَا تَتَحَمَّلُهُ عُقُولُهُمْ Speak to them with that which their minds can comprehend and can take. وَتُدْرِكُهُ أَفْهَامُهُمْ And their understanding can grasp. وَلَا تُسْمِعُوهُمْ شَيْئًا لَا يَفْهَمُونَ مَعْنَاهُ وَيَجْهَلُونَهُ And don't talk to them with things which they don't understand and they don't know, things which are out of their comprehension and they can't grasp. فَبَادِرُونَ إِلَى تَكْذِيبِهِ فَتُوقِعُونَهُمْ فِي الْحَرَجِ So then they will end up rejecting those things from you and you put them into an awkward situation then because they are rejecting something which is actually true but because they cannot comprehend and understand what you're talking about then they say that can't be right and they don't agree with it and they don't accept it. So Ali ibn Abi Talib said, be careful of how you speak to the people and the level you speak to them with and the information and what you present to them. وَكَأَنَّهُ قَالَ هَذِهِ الْمَقَالَةِ لَمَّا كَثُرَ الْقُصَّاسِ فِي وَقْتِهِ And it is as if he made this statement due to the storytellers. Those Qussas who come with tales and stories and admonitions all the time, they had become plentiful at his time. وَالْوَعَاظِ يَحْرَسُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يُخَوِّفُ النَّاسِ فَيَذْكُرُونَ لَهُمْ كُلَّ مَا قَرَأُوا أَوْ سَمِعُوا مِنَ الْأَخْبَارُ وَالْأَحَادِيثِ سَوَاءً كَانَتْ صَحِيحًا أَوْ غَيْرْ صَحِيحًا وَسَوَاءً كَانَ النَّاسِ يَفْهَمُونَهَا أَوْ لَا يَفْهَمُونَهَا وَهَذَا أَمْرٌ لَا يَجُوزُ فَالْحَاضِرُونَ يُحَدِّثُونَ بِمَا تَتَحَمَّلُهُ يُحَدِّثُونَ بِمَا تَتَحَمَّلُونَهُ عُقُولَهُمْ تَتَحَمَّلُهُ عُقُولَهُمْ وَبِمَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ أَمَّا ذِكْرُ الْأَشْيَاءِ الَّتِي تُشَوِّشُ عَلَيْهِمْ وَقَدْ تَحْمِلُ بَعْضَهُمْ عَلَى التَّكْذِيبِ فَهَذَا أَمْرٌ مُحَرَّمٌ So the uh, people who make admonition, the people who make admonition, they will admonish on occasion these storytellers, these types of people, they will tell people everything they've heard. Ahadith, narrations, all types of things they've heard, whether they are authentic or not. And this is the issue with those types of people. These people who talk with stories and admonitions all the time in their lectures, and that's all it is. Half of these stories and admonitions, they may well not even be authentic at all. Stories that they narrate to make fear into the people, for them to practice, or stories to encourage the people, and often these stories have no basis to them. So, on some occasion they may narrate things that the people cannot understand even, cannot comprehend even, and it is beyond them, and therefore placing those people into difficulty.
So the Sheikh says, فَيَتَكَلَّمْ مَعَهُمْ بِمَا يُنَاسِبُ حَالَهُمْ You speak to the people with that which is relevant and suitable to the people, their levels. إِنْ كَانَ يَتَكَلَّمُ فِي وَسَطِ عُلَمَاءِ يَتَكَلَّمُ بِالْكَلَامِ اللَّائِقِ بِأَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ If a person is talking amongst the scholars, you're talking to the scholars amongst you, then you talk to them at a high level, a level that is suitable and easily understood by them without a problem. وَإِنْ كَانَ يَتَكَلَّمُ فِي وَسَطِ عَوَامِ فَيَتَكَلَّمْ بِمَا يُنَاسِبُهُمْ وَبِمَا تَتْحَمَّلُهُ عَقُولُهُمْ And if you're talking to a bunch of commoners, then you talk in a manner which is suitable to their level and their minds will be able to understand it. وَيَحْرَصْ عَلَى مَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ أَيْضًا and the person should strive to ensure what he gives the people is what they will benefit from. وَيُعَلِّمُهُمْ أُمُورَ دِينِهِمْ And that he will educate them regarding the affairs of their religion. وَأُمُورَ عَقِيدَتِهِمْ وَصَلَاتِهِمْ And the affairs of their aqidah and their prayer. وَأُمُورَ عِبَادَتِهِمْ And the affairs of their worship. وَيُحَذِّرُهُمْ مِنَ الْمَعَاصِي وَمِنَ الْمَحَرَّمَاتِ and to warn them against sinning and haram. وَلَا يَدْخُلُوا فِي الْمَوَاضِعِ الْعِلْمِيَّةِ الْبَعِيدَةِ عَنْ أَفْهَامِ الْعَوَامِ But you don't sit there talking to the commoners with high levels of knowledge which they cannot comprehend details of certain things which are above them. Rather you speak to every audience with that which is suitable to them and that they are able to comprehend. And this is why the scholars... When they talk or when they give lessons, you will notice for the ones who accompany them, they do deliver their lectures at different levels, depending on who the audience is. So the types of lectures you may see in the haram, when you're in the masjid, generally speaking often, with several from amongst the scholars, those lectures will be at a lower level than what you hear from them in private gatherings, or in lectures in the university where it is just students in front of them, the level is different because they know there are different audiences in front of them. And that is something important that a person who is giving da'wah, a person who is teaching the scholars, the students, that they are aware of their audience. They are aware of who is listening and what level of knowledge they are able to comprehend. And that is a point we mentioned a long time ago. Who can remember where? The point about the caller knowing who his audience is and therefore making his speech to them appropriate to them. Because it would be a mistake for a person to come along and give the same type of lecture to everybody no matter who is sitting in front of him. There could be people who are brand new Muslims. They would need a different type of lecture. Could be people who are educated students who have done degrees in Islamic studies. They will need a higher level lecture. These different lectures for different people, different levels. The audience has to be taken into consideration. Where did we mention that long time ago? Anyone? In Kitab al-Tawheed. Excellent. Mu'adh ibn Jabal, when he was sent to Yemen, radiyallahu anhu, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa told him what? 
You're going to come across a group of people who are Jews and Christians, people of the book. Why did the Prophet ﷺ give him that information? What does it matter? Mu'adh ibn Jabal is going to go there and give da'wah about Islam to whoever the people are there. So why did the Prophet ﷺ tell him then that it's people of the book who are going to be there? Why? So that Mu'adh ibn Jabal, huh? So he'd know his audience. So that Mu'adh ibn Jabal would know the audience he is coming across. He knows that these are people of the book. He knows they've already been given revelations that they are aware of. And they have some understanding of prophets and messengers and revelations. He knows what their types of aqidah are. So he knows which angle to bring the evidences to them. So he has that idea in his mind of who this audience is that he's going to come across when he goes there. Therefore, he can prepare the da'wah suited in a way to be the most effective with those people. So here, this is what's being mentioned, to talk to the people in a manner which is suitable. The one who does not do that, he talks in a manner where the people cannot understand, then that is a deficiency. It's a deficiency that you talk to the people in a manner which they can't understand, a manner which is above their level, a manner which the information is not being presented to them in a way that they can understand. Everybody understand? No, you have to say yes. If you say no, it's a problem now. So then, وَهَذِي حِكْمَ مِنْ أَمِيرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ So this is a great wisdom from Ali ibn Abi Talib. رضي الله عنه أنه أمر أن يراعى أحوال الحاضرين وأحوال السامعين so this is a great wisdom from Ali ibn Abi Talib, radiyallahu anhu, that he commanded and gave this advice to the scholars, the people of knowledge, the callers, that they need to give consideration to the state of the audience, the people, the ones who are listening. So that these callers, they talk to those people at a level which is their suitable level to listen and hear. Sheikh Al-Fawzan says, if only, if only the speakers these days, the people who are there calling the, the callers, the speakers, if only they went along upon this principle, that when giving their lectures, when giving their talks, when talking to the people, giving their khutbahs, that they do them upon a level of the audience that understands. If only the people did that. The shaykh is highlighting that the people do not do that these days. These days the people don't have this comprehension, and that is a weakness, a weakness in the one who is talking that he doesn't have this comprehension of who he is talking to and what the level is. So the Shaykh says, if only the speakers these days would do this, that they would talk to the people at the level that they understand. So this is a principle for the speakers in every time, wherever they are. That the one speaking has to take into consideration who the people are listening to him and their level. In kana fi wasat in ilmi, yatahadathu bima yinasibu. If he is sitting in a place 
where they are students of knowledge, etc., all of them studying, then you talk to them at a level which is appropriate and they can understand. It could be a higher level. Uh, you could mention more terminology, you could mention more principles, and you know they'll understand. وَإِن كَانَ فِي وَسَطٍ and if you were sitting amongst commoners, then speak to them with that which is suitable to them. And if he was in a group where it's a mixed audience, scholars, people of knowledge, and ignorant common people too, then he has to take into consideration the, the reality of that situation. فَيَتَحَدَّثُ بِحَدِيثٍ يَسْتَفِيدُ مِنْهُ الْحَاضِرُونَ وَيَثَمُونَهُ مِنْ مُرِدِينَهِمْ So he speaks to them in a way where there will be benefit for all the listeners. Has to take that into consideration. وَيَدَرِّسُونَ الْأَعْقَائِدِ وَالْعُلُومِ شَيْئًا فَشَيْئًا حَتَّى تَتَّسِعَ لَهَا عُقُولُهُمْ وَتَتَقَبَّلُهَا أَفْهَامُهُمْ So then those people slowly, bit by bit, they start learning. And they uh, gain more knowledge and slowly they can start opening up to more and more and greater levels of knowledge. وَلَا يَدْخُلُ فِي هَذَا ذِكْرُ نُسُوسِ الْأَسْمَاءِ وَالصِّفَاتِ بِدَلِيلِ قَوْلِ ابْنِ عَبَّاسِ الْآتِي لَمَّا ذُكِرَ حَدِيثًا عَنْ نَبْسَ سَلَّمْ فِي الصِّفَاتِ إِنَّمَا هَذَا خَاصٌ بِأَحَدِيثِ الْقُصَّاسِ أَلَّتِي قَدْ تَكُونُ مَكْذُوبًا أَوْ لَا تَتَحَمَّلُهَا عُقُولُ النَّاسِ Names and attributes of Allah talking about that issue. That is not something which is above the people. Because one of the doubts some of these deviants may bring now is say is to say that in accordance to what you've just said, therefore we cannot teach people about aqidah, about names and attributes, because that is too much for people. They don't get it. You can't talk to people about names and attributes. You can't talk to them about Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah. You can't talk to them about these things. It's above the level of the people they don't understand. Just talk to them about being good to your neighbor, about being good to other people, smiling, giving charity. Talk about these things they can all understand and be good Muslims. But aqidah and names and attributes, these things are too much for the minds of the people. And you've just said, Talk to them with what they understand. So forget about aqid on these things. So how do you reply to them? The reply is simple. Affairs of aqidah are not above the minds of the people. Affairs of aqidah, the basics of your religion, they are fundamentals. They are not things which are above the people. Above the people there may be certain aspects of the religion, certain details, certain ahadith where you go into a lot of detail and it becomes complicated. But names and attributes, rububiyya, uluhiyya, these are basics of the religion, fundamentals of the religion. These are not things you can say, nobody's going to get them, it's too difficult. These are basics everybody understands and everybody has to learn. So that is not a doubt you should fall into, that they say it's too difficult and nobody can understand. Names and attributes and the tawheed of Allah. These are the basics. Warning against shirk is from the basics. The first thing that the Prophet ﷺ was commanded to do was, Abandon the idols. Tell them to abandon the shirk. And to call them to tawheed. That is a fundamental. You can't say this is too difficult and nobody will understand. That is a false doubt.
Then we have the narration of Abd al-Razzaq, عن معمر عن ابن طاووس عن أبيه عن ابن عباس narration from ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما أنه رأى رجلا انتقضه لما سمعه حديثا عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في الصفات استنكارا لذلك فقال ما فرق هؤلاء يجدون رقة عند محكمه ويهلكون عند متشابهه انتهى This narration then it is mentioned that when a man he heard a hadith from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam about the attributes that he shook or trembled at that. What do they mention for that? Shivered. He shivered, he shook, he trembled when he heard the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi about the attributes. Why? Why was that physical reaction occur from him when he heard the hadith about the attributes? As a rejection of the hadith. As a means of rejection of the hadith. Why is he talking about names and attributes? Like that. So then he said, مَا فَرَقَ هَؤُلَاءَ What is, what is the, what is fearing these people? What is causing them to fear? مَا فَرَقَ هَؤُلَاءَ يَجِدُونَ رِقَّةً عِنْدَ مُحْكَمِهِ وَيَهَلَكُونَ عِنْدَ مُتَشَابِهِ So he said, what is it that they find, what are they afraid of? What is this that they are afraid of? What is it that they find this fear in? وَالْمُحْكَمْ مِنَ النُّسُوسِ هُوَ الَّذِي يُفْهَمُ مَعْنَاهُ مِنْ لَفْظِهِ وَلَا يَحْتَاجُ وَلَا يَحْتَاجُ إِلَى دَلِيلٍ آخر يفسره. That they find softness with the clear ayat, They accept what is precise in meaning. And they are destroyed, they fall foul of the mutashabih. What is this then, the muhkam and the mutashabih? The muhkam are the texts which are understood, their meanings from their words in of themselves and they do not require any other evidence to explain them. The muhkam are clear-cut in of themselves. The mutashabih are those where the meanings cannot be understood directly in of themselves until you have other evidences explaining it in context. They are the mutashabih, the shaykh explains. So in that case, you can have things like abrogation. You have a text, a nasikh wal mansukh. You have a text, it tells you a certain ruling. But this ruling, it's only going to be understood in the context of the abrogation. Because when you learn that there's another hadith or narration which abrogates this one, then you will realize what the actual ruling is. Then you'll know what the actual ruling is. Similarly, something which is general and something which is specific. 
only when you know what the specifics are and what the generalities are and you put them together will you be able to come out with the conclusion. So the mutashabih are those things where other explanations surrounding evidences are required. Whereas the muhkam in of itself directly it is clear. So what is the principle? A'idah to ahli sunnah wal jama'amahi. The principle of ahli sunnah it is أَنَّهُمْ يَرُدُّونَ الْمُتَشَابِهِ إِلَى الْمُحْكَمِ فَيَفَسِّرُونَ بَعْضَ النُّصُوصِ بِبَعْضِ لِأَنَّهَا كُلَّهَا كَلَامُ اللَّهِ أَوْ كَلَامُ رَسُولِهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم Those texts that are mutashabih The texts that are mutashabih They require other details to get the context and the correct conclusions from Then أَهْلُ السُنَّةِ they return those texts back to the muhkam. The texts that are clear in of themselves, their meanings are clear. The mutashabih, what you could say as, sometimes they say in English, ambiguous. That the meaning only becomes clear when you put it into the context of the other evidences. So that's what Ahlul Sunnah do. They return those texts back to the clear texts, put them into the context, and therefore you get the correct understanding. The people of innovation though, this is where they go astray. They do not take those narrations back to the clear-cut narrations. Instead, they leave them as they are and start putting interpretations onto them. So they end up with incorrect interpretations. And if only they had done what Ahl-Sunnah do, take those texts back to the context of the Qur'an and the Sunnah, and the other narrations and the hadith and the ayat, and you'll get the clear understanding. Yet they keep them isolated and separate and do not take them back and put their false interpretations onto them. Allah said in the Quran, "Who is the one who has given you the book? From them come the scriptures, they are the scriptures, and the scriptures are the scriptures. وَمَا يَعْلَمُ تَأْوِيلَهُ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَالرَّاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ يَقُولُونَ آمَنَّا بِهِ كُلٌّ مِنْ عِنْدِ رَبِّنَا So Allah said, He is the one who has revealed upon you the book. In it are ayat which are muhkam, muhkamat, clear cut. And they are the ummul kitab, the, 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 the head of the book, the, uh, the ummul kitab. And there are others which are mutashabihat, which require the context to understand. As for the people who have deviance in their heart, then they follow the mutashabihat. They take them out of context with their own interpretations and they misguide the people. Then we have this, so in this narration it highlighted how some of these people, they reject the attributes of Allah and the ayat and the ahadith talking about the attributes even though they are from the muhkam or the mutashabih. Muhkam. The names and attributes of Allah, there is no ambiguity at all. Doesn't require any other evidences. They are muhkam. So they find, يَجِدُونَ رِقَّةً عِنْدَ مُحْكَمِهِ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ آيَاتِ الصِّفَاتِ مِنَ الْمُحْكَمِ وَلَيْسَتْ مِنَ الْمُتَشَابِهِ وَفِي هَذَا رَدٌ عَلَىٰ أَهْلِ الضَّلَالِ الَّذِينَ يَجْعَلُونَ النُّسُوسَ صِفَاتِ مِنَ الْمُتَشَابِهِ وَيَفَوَّضُونَ مَعَنَاهَا this is a refutation of the people of innovation who claim that the ayat of the names and attributes are mutashabih. That we don't understand them, we don't know exactly what they mean, they're ambiguous, we don't know. That's what they try and claim. 
So they say, we just don't know, we just leave these ayat altogether. Allah knows best. And so they don't accept the names and attributes of Allah, they don't have the correct aqidah of Ahl Sunnah regarding the names and attributes. And that is false. The names and attributes of Allah, they are from the muhkam. Clear, clear. And that is why Ahl Sunnah, their aqidah is clear regarding the names and attributes of Allah. There is no doubt, there is no confusion, there is nothing. It is clear. And the iman in the names and attributes is clear. But it is the people of deviation who attempt to claim that this is ambiguous, we don't know, we don't understand. And so they can reject the names and attributes by doing that. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala says, مَا وَجَدْتُ أَحَدًا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ مِنَ السَّلَفِ جَعَلَ آيَاتِ الصِّفَاتِ مِنَ الْمُتَشَابِهِ Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned, I have not found a single one from the Salaf who has made the ayat of the attributes of Allah to be from the category of mutashabih. Meaning all of the Salaf, they said these ayat are from muhkamat, clear. Nothing to doubt about, no context required, no other evidences to explain them. They are clear, the aqidah regarding the names and attributes. He says, I did not find a single one from the Salaf from the people of knowledge, who declared that the ayat of the attributes are from the mutashabih. عَلَىٰ وَتَتَبُّعِهِ Bearing in mind, you know how much Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala was versed and educated and read up on all of the books of the Salaf and their statements. He had much, much research in those affairs. Very much research in those affairs. And he says, I never came across anyone from the Salaf ever saying that the names and attributes, these ayat, are from the mutashabih. So what do we learn from this chapter? We learn that the rejection of the names and attributes of Allah is kufr. As Allah said, وَهُمْ يَكْفُرُونَ بِالرَّحْمَانِ They disbelieve in Ar-Rahman. But this kufr can be different types. It can be kufr, which is major kufr. It can be kufr, which is minor kufr. But we understand clearly, as we said before, rejection of the names and attributes is not permissible. Secondly, we also understand the principle from Ali ibn Abi Talib, radiallahu anhu, that the people need to be spoken to at a level that they understand. The people need to be spoken to at a level that they can comprehend and not to speak to them at a level which is above them, so they start to reject things. Also, we benefit from the statement of Ali ibn Abi Talib, that the knowledge has to be given in levels. The knowledge has to be given to people in levels. At the level they understand, when it builds up a higher level, when it builds up a higher level. And this is another mistake that some of the speakers out there may make. They want to try to impress their audience. So they try to bring all types of wonderful benefits from this imam and that imam. And at the end of it, the audience goes away after the lecture and they've not really took away a good point from the lecture. They've not really took away a good understanding what was the real benefit of all that lecture. Lots of quotes from here, lots of quotes from there, quoting books that they never heard of. But at the end of it, what have they really concluded from the lecture? They're all a bit here and there. So it isn't about the speaker coming along and giving some lecture with lots of quotes and lecture books and all types of stories as the, uh, the wa'ad, these people they do, they narrate all types of things. 
narrate from this book, narrate from that book, weird and wonderful stories everywhere. And the people, they go away thinking, what was the point of the lecture? What was it all about? There was this, there was that, there was this story, that story. So the speakers need to be aware of this to make that the level of the people and not to uh, attempt to bring too much or to bring stories and to bring affairs which are out of the comprehension of the people. Also we learn that the names and attributes of Allah, these texts are from the muhkamat. And we also learn that the first people to reject the names or the attributes, the names and the attributes of Allah were who? Who were the first people to reject the names and attributes of Allah? The Quraysh, the Mushrikeen, before the Jahmiyyah, Mu'tazila, all these people? Of course. The Quraysh first. The Kuffar of Quraysh, the Mushrikeen, they were the first to reject. Which means, أَنَّ أَوَّلَ مَنْ جَحَدَ الْأَسْمَاءِ وَالصِّفَاتِ هُمُ الْمُشْرِكُونَ فَيَكُونُونَ أَئِمَّةٌ لِلْجَهْمِيَّةِ وَالْمُعْتَزِلَةِ وَمَنْ نَحَى نَحْوَهُمْ وَبِئْسَ الْأَئِمَّةِ وَالْقُدْوَةِ So that means the mushrikeen, they are the imams of the jahmiyyah and the mu'tazila and these deviated groups who later went on to reject the names and attributes of Allah. Their predecessors, their scholars were the mushrikeen that means. That's what the shaykh mentions as the final point of benefit from that chapter. So we'll conclude upon that today. Next week we'll begin with a new chapter which is regarding the blessings of Allah. The blessings of Allah that Allah has placed upon you and what it is that a believer is supposed to do with regards to those blessings uh, and attributing those blessings to Allah and not rejecting the blessings and abusing the blessings. That's what we'll start with insha'Allah from next week. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad. وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين